0: welcome back to another episode of Artist Avenue. In this episode, I am joined by the wonderful Chloe Noble. Chloe is a professional actress, dancer and expressive art teacher from France, currently living and working in New York City. She trained in theatre studies at the Sorbonne University in Paris and also at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City. Chloe worked and apprenticed at the Tamalpa Institute in California, with the renowned choreographer Anna Halprin and her daughter, Daria Halpern, somatic expressive performing artist, author and teacher. In 2013, Chloe co-founded the French branch of their school in France, Temalpa, France, where she taught for over six years. In 2020, Chloe worked on several productions under Resonance Artistic Collective, an LCC she created with two artist peers during the COVID-19 pandemic and run shows with the Brooklynite company Molière in the Park. Before we dive into Chloe's incredibly unique journey, I would like to remind you that due to the current circumstances and the distance between New York and Switzerland, we had to record this episode remotely via Zoom. Therefore, the quality might suffer at points. Nevertheless, please keep listening. As I always say, for a 2021 podcast, it's content over technical quality. So without further ado, enjoy this glorious episode...
1: having you. how are you chloe i'm good thank you very much thank you for having me how are my you My pleasure i'm
0: really excited to meet you and like to talk to you today so why don't we start with an introduction why don't you tell us a bit about who you are where you're from
1: mm-hmm. so my name is chloe noble and i am a dancer an actress and also i do a lot of like performing arts like mixing dance with writing drawing sometimes like I love to mix medium in the work I do I'm from France uh, from the west coast of France close to La Rochelle Uh, and right now I'm based in New York City fabulous
0: I I love that (laughs) (laughs) so why don't we go back to your once upon a time where did this journey start for you
1: uh, once upon a time, when I was three years old, I started to go to dance classes because my parents having this exuberant, always moving uh, little girl is like, okay, we have to find something so she can contain all that energy and make something, you know, with it. And I really, really wanted to go to dance class. So I started at three, along with learning how to play piano. And the way I like to tell it is like, at some point in my life, I wasn't really able to, you know, differentiate, like when I was asked the question, I was like, oh, maybe I can answer and do a dance, or maybe I can answer and like go to the piano and play the notes that, you know, respond to my feelings. I feel like very early in my life, they were dance and piano, and it was part of my growing up and the way I was relating to people so yeah it starts it starts quite quite young um and then it evolved into a whole journey when I was like I don't I can't give up you know I need to dance I need to have that in my life so yeah that's pretty much how it started
0: yeah I love how you said that it was kind of like it sounds like it was part of you from the beginning like it was in your blood and it's like your medium to answer that way that is so cute because like Yeah, as a kid, you don't know like what is language. This is also a language. So yeah, I really like that. So how did your journey evolve then? Did you go to um, school, to training?
1: Yeah, I started a ballet lesson. um, So when I was three, so it's like initiation to ballet. It's not really ballet yet, but it's really how to train the muscles, how to do, you know, some exercising, some games, because I get when you're three years old, it's more like games. I remember also it was like outside classes. We used to go into my teacher's garden. Uh, So I really started my journey with ballet. And also, uh, yeah, piano learning same when you three and four, you don't really have the fingers to already like, you know, play on the piano. So it's more like games, more like hearing the piano, playing with it, having a relationship to the instrument and same, it grew a little bit. I stopped piano when I was 15 for some personal and emotional reason, um, but I kept dancing. I did so some ballet training when I was young. I did some jazz training, contemporary training up until I went to university. I always had like a, a form of dance training going on. Uh, and when I went to university, I changed city. I moved to Paris, and I wanted to reproduce that you know that training that was ongoing in my life, and to keep you know having uh, dance training. Uh, Acting training, that's the moment I went to the Sorbonne University to learn uh, theater and acting because that was what I wanted to do with my life. So, yeah, but my my thing with dance is like I, I wasn't really interested anymore in like learning by copying someone's moves. Mm-hmm. I was in this moment when I was like, oh, I can see that if I'm copying your movements, it's about you. I wanted dance to also be about me. To be about what I can express, what I have to say when my movement is obviously different than yours. You know, I maybe, you know, can do the arabesque the way you do, or I maybe have a less higher jump, or I have other strength. I'm very flexible. You know what I mean? I feel like I also wanted to find myself uh, in the dance field. And this is when i heard about hannah halprin who was an american which still is but when i heard (laughs) about her she was an american choreographer so it meant you know going to america going to the us california to to meet her and i discovered her through a book through a teacher of mine at the university who really understood my struggle in being like, oh, I love dancing, but I feel like it's always about copying the choreographer or copying the teacher. And I would love to find a way of like being more, being more myself and being more my own storyteller in a way. Yeah. Uh, and she gave me that book uh, um, that's called Moving Towards Life that Anna Harprin wrote about her whole career in the dance field. And I got really inspired and I was like, I want to go and meet this woman and learn from her. She was already as her in her 80s. <laughs> so it was like, it's about time to meet this woman and to and to work with her. Uh, so she became my next huge, you know, training because learning from her is a form of apprenticeship it's like a very you know you become part of the family in a way because it's it, it's not only about dance it's also about who you are it's about how you envision movement what you have to say what story you want to tell what's your voice in the world so it's very it's very intimate and it's very uh yeah it's a very personal journey so yeah that's beautiful i never
0: for some reason I never thought of like what you just said, like making it personal, making your movement personal to you and like expressing yourself through it. Like it's so simple, but I think we forget it because a lot of the times we're like, yes, we need to copy this person. So that's such a lovely like journey that you've decided to go on. Have you, um, did you say you moved to the States for that or did you meet her in another part of the world?
1: No, I moved all the way to the United States. california to meet her and
0: what did your time there like how was that experience meeting her
1: it was it was amazing I, i i was always i would always remember the first moment i had with her because the world of dance in france also like you know you have those great choreographers or teachers and they come to teach you but it's still I still feel like, oh, you cannot really use that. You know, you have, you're blessed by those people presence and they come to, for a workshop to teach you, but you're not really allowed to use that on your own. Not really allowed to share that with other people. It's like really for you to keep. But, and the first thing that this woman told me is like everything I'm teaching you everything you understand everything you learn please pass it on there's so many people who need to dance so many people who have stories to tell and and that mindset about um passing on and just being so open to having more and more people uh, being aware of their bodies knowing how to move um being able to express their own stories through movement um it was it's really what she is about she wants you know enlightenment and creativity for everyone and that's something i remember very dearly meeting her i was like wow that's another world (laughs) that's another world everything i I learned it's not only for myself but eventually for myself to share Mm -hmm. so you feel like you have another responsibility another mission you know
0: yeah and how long did you spend with her then
1: Well, first I went for the, like the initial training, uh, which was three months. Uh, and after the three months, I'm like, I'm very hungry for more. So I stay a full year and I did the entire training, uh, that was available at that time was a level one and a level two, uh, of an intensive training. And right after that, right after my two first level, I've been approached by her daughter about eventually because I was resonating so deeply with the work about eventually opening the French branch hover school back home and I was like oh my god I'm 24 I'm just learning about this work I'm just starting to just like you know um, practicing it I don't see myself as a teacher right now i so I stayed one more year, where I apprenticed her. Like every class, I would I would be with her. I would teach sometimes. She would give me feedback. So I end up spending two years with her uh, in her beautiful home uh, in in California on the mountain. She's a beautiful dance studio. in the Mount Tamalpais, which is why her school is called Tamalpais Institute. It's on the mountain that um, has that name. And she has an outdoor indoor studio. So there's this huge deck that is outside on the trees in the mountain. And then she has an indoor studio that also has like a lot of glass mirror and uh, windows. So you can, you can be inside, outside all the time. It's a very beautiful place, beautiful environment to learn. Yeah, I got to spend two full years there. It was, was quite the life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds incredible. I mean, I need to go have a look at that house now. <laughs> because like yes. an outdoor studio I've n- I never thought that was possible yeah great
1: her husband is an architect so that's how this happened okay okay <laughs> he that built makes- the entire place for her yeah, yeah yeah it's all made of wood it's all local trees like nothing was like exported or wasted they're just very respectful of the place it's 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 very special
0: mm-hmm. so how did you then did you end up building the school up in France
1: I did. So at the same time, approximately, I was training with her, there were this other two uh, French people who were also studying with her. So we were in the same level in the same uh, learning process together. And when we went back home, we decided the three of us to just you know try it out so uh so with those two colleagues uh, Marie Motet and Stéphane Vernier we uh we built up we built up that school back in 2013 i guess which was which was a lot of work cuz as you said, you, do, you didn't know about her. So as so many people back home in France. So it was a lot about, you know, uh, going to schools and meeting some dance students, some acting students and just like talk about her, have some, you know, mm. some conversations just to, to be able to talk about the training and to talk about the opportunity of like learning her body of work. So it was quite an adventure and we were quite successful. The school still exists. I'm not teaching there anymore, but we still have this French branch uh, going on. It's been over, maybe we are approaching the 10 years now, maybe even more. Eight years. I think we are eight years in activity. That's what it is.
0: That's incredible. But is Mm -hmm. it in Paris then?
1: We used to be based in Brittany, Mm -hmm. but we would teach in some places in some studios in Paris we would teach in some studios in Marseille uh, Grenoble like in different uh city all over France we were like moving around but we would be based in Brittany and right now it is based in Paris Mm -hmm. it moved a little bit change you know owners and stuff yeah Yeah.
0: wonderful so how did your journey then involve to New York? Why New York? <laughs>
1: Um, well, it was New York for another reason, because after six, te- six years teaching and transmitting uh, Anna's work, and um, I wanted to go back to theater. I wanted to go back to acting. Um, I've always thought of myself as someone who has to do many things and who has to do many different things. It's always in like, the artistic, creative field. Uh, not that I'm getting bored. It's more that at some point I'm like, oh, I've done that. It's it's accomplished. The school is here. We have students, it's running. People are transmitting this work after me. Uh, I feel complete with this part of my life. Uh, And even though I love it, I I need to go up to the next challenge or to the next, um, I don't know, level. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know how to describe it and i really really wanted to go back to acting i had the opportunity to you know do some projects some movies video clips um project but i really wanted to be like uh, more into this world and and new york city because it felt it felt kind of obvious to me as being this huge creative city mm-hmm. and um and also because this specific school, so I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, was also having audition in Berlin, in London. So I was like, oh, that's an easy way for me to audition. And eventually if I'm, you know, mm-hmm. taken, I can just like go to New York City. So that was also easier to audition for this specific school. So that's how I ended up in New York uh, for this for this training for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts three, three years ago
0: oh okay uh-huh. yeah so it's quite a while that you've been there now yeah, yeah 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 and how did your how did your life evolve then after graduating
1: a lot so <laughs> <laughs> graduated uh two months into the pandemic two months into the lockdown so graduation was like this blurry thing when we were all online when theater was all about being in person and responding moment to moment, we were so body trained that it felt like a huge loss to be online not being able to graduate in person. But I think what it did to me is like, how do we go on? How do we move on from this? This is the new reality. This is, you know. And yeah, so I think right after graduation, I've been confronted to first, do I want to stay? Do I want to stay here or do I want to go back home? I think that was the first big question that I've asked myself. And I was like, well, I made it here. I spent my two years. I did this training. I want to stay. This is the place I want to be. This is the place I wanted to commit to stay and the pandemic everywhere anyway so it wouldn't be more opportunities back home so I decided to stay so after graduation it was this choice of like oh I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna try to make things happen for me here and this is where I've built my first artistic collective with two friends of mine We're both uh, immigrants one friend from Russia and the other one from Trinidad and Tobago both We decided to stay and we wanted to do some creative, creative stuff. Mm -hmm. And at first it was really like supporting each other. You know, it was not even about the collective It was more like we would commit every week to just speak with each other, to just, you know, do some meditation together, do some dances together, some exercise just to stay motivated and connected, even though it would be only through the camera. And after a while we had a real project. We had, a re- we had things to say. We had things we wanted to write down. We wanted to film. We wanted to do stuff, even though we could not meet. So we did a first piece uh, that talked about uh, the pandemic and the distance. So it's called Six, six Roofs Apart. So mm-hmm. we played on like the six feet apart. But for us, it was six roof because it was about dancing on our roofs in the desire to connect with each other and also like a testimonial to the distance, mm-hmm. the physical distance uh, that we were all experiencing at that moment. Uh, and with the social justice movement becoming really heated uh, at, the, at that period, we also created a piece uh, about social justice. So it was really for us how to take Everything that was happening for us, everything that felt overwhelming, and and do something creative with it. Take our reality and create something with it.
0: Yeah, you just basically poured in your passion through like you know stuff that was happening there and then, and just like expressed it in a creative way. And I think that's beautiful. Do you? It's called Artistic Resonance Collective, right? Mm Mhm. Mhm. Can we find you anywhere? And like, do you have any other projects coming up?
1: Yeah, so you can find us. We have a Facebook page. We also are, are very active on Instagram. So those are two social media when you can find us. We have a YouTube channel when you can see some of our work, and we do have project coming up because we are now in collaboration with the Tele Channel, which is an American production company, and we are up for a series of monologues. So it's gonna the the title right now is Monologue Moment. It might evolve because we're still in the process of creating it. And the concept is to take some famous monologues from famous movies that we all know and to revisit them, to build up another story around it, to use uh, other actors, to change if that was said by a male, you know, use a female character and just build something new around those monologues and tell another story. So that's, that's the next project we are um producing uh, right now uh, in collaboration with uh, the tele channel that's, really so that's cool. what's next for us mm-hmm.
0: and is it because obviously you've said this is with monologues and acting and mm-hmm. is it always like a combination of it can be like any form of art like it can be dancing or acting or singing or is it specialized
1: uh, in our previous projects, like the two projects that I talked about, like um, Six Roof, the path is really choreographed. It's really a choreography, and then some voice over that movement piece. Mm-hmm. A mustard seed, which is the piece we did about social justice, is also movement based. We have voice um, on this on this piece as well. Um someone created the music for us so we also have this music background and or, an original uh, music soundtrack so it's it, it was more of a mixed media monologue moment is more of a classical acting film project
0: yeah no that's beautiful it's great that you have like all these different things in there so it's good Mm -hmm. mix isn't it
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. it is it is and that's personally what also what i love to do when you know you mix a little bit of dance and movement and yeah voice and singing um that's personally something that i really really love doing yeah
0: and moving on from that do you have anything that you'd like to see more or less of in our industry
1: Hmm, I'm in diversity. I think it's starting to be more diverse. And uh, but I, I still think we should go way more diverse than than what we see right now. I believe in more female director, I believe in, you know, yeah, more diversity uh, in the work we propose diversity of culture diversity of genre yeah i wish i wish to see more of that being more popular you know what i mean you can always see more diverse but you have to go you have to go places it's not what we see uh for the oscars or what we see you know for Mm -hmm. um big event i would love to see more of that being more going to higher places i would say yeah
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's true and um obviously you've been able to like live in France and experience the arts there and then also in California and New York do you have any specific differences that you've experienced
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah I do back home in France I feel um it's probably true here too but it's like a different scale is that the, the industry is a very little world it's like and once you're in there if you're good enough, it's it, it's kind of good for you. It's like a little family, you know, once you know some people and you start to meet the people that are influential in the industry you're in, but it's very difficult to be in. It's like it can take years and sometimes it never happens for so many people, it never happens. But I feel like in France, the, the family industry is a very, very small bubble of people Uh, that generate the work, that have the money and that can make things happen. Even though we have a lot of indie movies and a lot of, you know, little production companies, I feel the business itself, the like where you can really live and only be an actor, those kind of opportunities live in a very small world. Mm -hmm. Here, I feel it's probably true as well, but I feel that there is different bubbles and there's different family you can reach I, maybe I'm you know I'm wrong but that's the way I'm seeing it I'm seeing it as more more opportunity to find your family to find your niche and and be able to make it where back home it feels like it's it's they all know each other it's this one little world
0: Yeah I know exactly what you mean so there's no right yeah? word it. <laughs> good <laughs> it's just a perspective thing because I have the same with um Germany and the UK like I find exactly the same the way you've just described it it's just the yeah. fact that there are a lot of different bubbles in a bigger metropolitan city, in a way. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. I like the way you've put that out. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going into the bit of fun time section of the interview. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you can choose one or both. So, I'm going to say both, and then you can say which one which option you would like so the first question is do you have any traditions or superstitions that you do before shows and the other question is your funniest blooper story on stage or in rehearsals
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so the tradition i i am it's a very popular one I feel like even some people do it also here uh, in america it's before before a show or before a shooting we would say each other merde would literally mean shit mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm allowed to swear i'm so sorry You if are. I don't worry <laughs> <laughs> um so that's kind of you know even though it's not something i would carry with me from like experience or whatever it's like it's the thing to do you know if you're French it's like the thing to do if you're French and you're an actor before you do anything before you go on stage you say merde to people like just as like you know it's to give them um to wish them luck in a way yeah (laughs) even though it's just an insult but it's 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 meant to wish luck and you're not allowed to say thank you if you say thank you it's cursed so if someone say you merde, just like, you can just do a thumb up or just like say merde back, but never say thank you. It just cursed the thing. I, so
0: I didn't that- know that portion. Like I knew <laughs> no. about the merde, but I didn't know you're not allowed to say thank you.
1: Yeah. If you, I mean, that's the way, that's the way I know about it. It's if you say thank you, you kind of cursed it. You're not supposed to respond to that. You You take it in and it's your... It's your luck you're receiving. There is no, nothing to say back. That's good to know. Noted. So that's, that's, that would be the tradition part. The funniest blooper, it's not really bloopers, what's come to my mind right now. I was, I was back home in France and I was working on this movie Uh, And I had to drive this car for that scene. I'm not the most comfortable person about driving, especially if it's someone else's car and this car was like very big and everything. So I wasn't really in my best place, but I was like, hey, it's going to be I don't have to to um, drive really fast. It's a small road. There is very chance that other cars are going to come and everything. And the day of the shooting, I'm learning that the way they're going to film this is going to be with a drone that's going to be in front of the car filming me and my partner inside of the car for this scene so here I am having to drive not seeing anything because this huge drone is like right in front of the car and filming us inside the car and and it and it And receiving the instruction from my director, who's not in a car, is in a truck behind the car, not in a visible way, so far away. And it was this huge moment of loneliness, of me already being like not super comfortable driving, having to drive this road, listening to him when we had to reset or stuff like this. And having these huge things in front of the car where I literally can't see the road. So it was like this whole messed up situation where I felt like I was... Oh. you know the worst actor on earth because i had so many things to just like end all that was you know it's not really like a blooper but it's like a funny story that i just like you know did you have text our- as well i did i did have text um which wasn't really recorded we were about to do like voiceover later on but i still had to move my lips and just have you know reactions and talk to the person and everything no, no, no. no. It was way <laughs> too much. It was way too much, you know, obstacle for me in, in, in this situation. But, but it was it was f- very funny to experience and how sometimes the demand is not only about, you know, acting and being in character. The demand sometimes is also to have to deal with this technology things, your personal skills about, in this case, driving, but sometimes it can be something else you know that can also be part of the character but you really have to be like um yeah to roll with it and sometimes it's challenging
0: (laughs) there is a lot that we have to like always like we forget about it but then if you actually look at our jobs there's so Mm -hmm. much extra stuff that we need to just like learn so we're like super skilled humans
1: (laughs) exactly exactly and yeah and sometimes it's just like all in the same time and it's it's yeah Mm. It's a skill to handle everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Did the scene turn out well, though? Were you happy with it?
1: <laughs> I don't even remember seeing it, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> I wonder if they cut it out, though, because I really don't remember seeing it. I remember seeing other other scenes of this when I was filmed from the um, from the window on mm-hmm. the side of myself, but this specific scene with the I I literally don't remember seeing that.
0: brilliant and in your opinion what unites us as
1: creatives i would say um a desire to share stories to redesigning um denouncing the world we live in a desire to change the world we live in as well like um or explore changes or explore um Mm -hmm. having something to say having something to say
0: yeah and what is one of the biggest things that you have learned along your journey
1: well similar to um what I was confronted during this pandemic I feel like never never give up never giving up because even though going to miss opportunities, it's going to happen all the time. But if we still persist, if we still commit to the work to the art we're doing, uh, to the passion that lives in us, if we still commit to that day after day, something is going to come up, it might not be what you dream of, or what you want to happen, but things are going to come up. And that's what I've learned, you know, to still show up to still be there. Go where my heart's tell me to go or stay if that's how I feel. I feel like there's always something coming up. And sometimes it's even better than what you imagine. Or it's even, you know, more true to yourself. I say never give up in this way.
0: Yeah, always have hope. I like that. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I think it's really good that you're like you've pointed it out quite a few times. I mean, of course, what happened in the last 14 months is horrendous. Like the pandemic is something really, really bad but i think it also pushed us in different ways especially as artists to like think and create differently and like you know it tested us in a way and i think you did such Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing to like create a whole collective to keep going to make like big life decisions for yourself during this time so yeah i think that's really brave it's really inspiring um and this is a tricky question but i love asking it because some people are like ah But
1: (laughs) what makes you unique as a creative? Well, I would say me. (laughs) That's, you know, you know, I feel like um, nobody has my story. Nobody has my past. Nobody has my way of seeing the world, other people, the news. Nobody has, you know, my way of challenging myself or challenging others or dressing up or talk or you know like all of this combine. you know some people might dress like me you know what I mean it's like but all of this combine makes me unique there's nobody else exactly like me and then nobody else exactly like you in this entire world so that's what makes me unique what makes you unique and so my creativity is going to be unique out of this you know mm-hmm. so I feel it's really this this deep deep understanding that we are all so unique even though we may have the same parents we're not the same individuals we don't think the same way we don't experience the world the same way and uh yeah I feel like who we are the experiences we had uh the losses the wins all of that makes us so unique and so so unique as creatives
0: absolutely I love it you you've been like the first guest to answer this so swiftly and sure
1: <laughs> right oh I'm, yeah. I'm glad
0: <laughs> yes you did. that's great thats cool, that's cool. <laughs> you get bonus points <laughs> yay <laughs> and is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners today
1: well i maybe maybe if I can find it it would be lovely in this following this to maybe hand up a quote that i love is that yes. okay for me to do that yes, absolutely. yes. i love quotes uh, and, <laughs> it, and it and it's really i think about it because it just resonates with what i just shared so it's a quote from martha graham who's a dancer and uh it's something she wrote on a letter to one of her students and she says there is a vitality a life force, a quickening that is translating through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all time, this expression is unique. If you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and will be lost. The world will not have it. This is not your business to determine how good is it or how valuable it is, nor how it compares with any other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly, to keep the channel open. You do not have to believe in yourself or your work. You have to keep open and aware directly to the urges that motivates you. Keep the channel open. No artist is pleased. There is no satisfaction whatever at any time. There is only a queer divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive.
0: That's beautiful. Isn't it? It really is. Mhm. Gonna let that sink in. No, but thank you so much for coming on today and like sharing your versatile story. I'm still in awe of how versatile like you are and how open-minded and I think that's something to really really look up to because you're just creating so much out of that and it's just like the simplicity of expressing yourself through art rather than always thinking of course it's a job in an in industry as well but like the simplicity of having it as a thought of expressing yourself I think that is so enlightening so yeah Mm.
1: thank you so much for sharing all that today (laughs) thank you very much thank you for having me it was a pleasure of course and yeah we'll link everything and then Mm -hmm.
0: everyone can come and follow you
1: (laughs) thank you so much and definitely keep going I love how you give voices to artists and you know to have this open heart conversation with you and uh to be able to receive so many artists just like me you have a lot to say and share um about themselves thank you so much for that thank you i hope you've enjoyed this episode
0: artist avenue will be back next tuesday with another exciting interview Make sure to follow us on social media and keep up to date with all the artists and their wonderful projects. Your support for this podcast honestly means the world to me. For now, keep smiling, keep listening, and I'll see you all next week.